to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 93.0. And we are starting a new game. Uh, a game that's been on our list for probably 10 years? Yeah, that seems about right. Yeah, uh, and that is Folklore. Today I have with me Matt. Hello, friends. And so, yeah, Folklore. Um, man. Have we had like we we've always said hey we want to do folklore ah, not not right now not right now not right yeah now. it's always hanging it's always B tier or C tier yeah like we'll we'll get to it eventually right um but we're finally getting to it uh, it released in two thousand seven and um it was made by a company Game Republic which I didn't know who it was when I first looked it up but they actually made one of my hidden gems. Majin in the Forsaken Kingdom. Yep, which uh, I have it based on your recommendation. I have not started it, but the art seems similar as well. It is. It is very similar. Uh, I would say this has more of a mature, like folklore has a more mature look to it at times. A little, little darker. Yeah, a little darker. Um, but, uh, yeah, Majin and Forsaken Kingdom, if nobody has ever played that game, go back and play it. That game is really good and nobody talked about it. Yeah. Like, it was fantastic. I loved every minute of it. Um, but yeah, uh, gosh, man. So folklore, um, I thought it was interesting tracking them down a little bit too. Like no, really nobody must've played Majin and the Forsaken Kingdom because they weren't around much longer. After that, yeah, they they um they kind of just went under, uh, but a lot of the developers apparently got hired on to uh, with Tango GameWorks, which is the Shinji Mikami's uh, yeah. company. Yeah, I saw that. That's that's kind of a cool legacy. Oh well, yeah, you kidding me? You working with one of the best developers ever? The guy who made Resident Evil. Yeah. Also, the guy who yeah. kind of made Shadows of the Dam, which is another great game that nobody's ever played. And of course, you know, the evil within. So, uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, folklore, um, PlayStation three exclusive game, uh, and early days. Yeah. And definitely this thing uses stuff that I don't like. I don't like six axis controls. Uh, yeah, this, this game tries more than many to shoehorn it in as well. Yes. So let's talk about that. Uh, we'll get to the story in a minute because I did not make it as far as I would have liked to, but that's okay. We can talk about a good amount of the story. Um, but and some of the mechanics and such. Yeah. So the mechanics of this game essentially is so, hmm. I know Ken kind of likened it to Pokemon. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Persona. Persona is really what this game is. Um, 
especially if you've ever played the Persona fighting game, Persona 4 Arena, it's just like that. It's not a fighting game, but it's an action game where you don't actually fight. You have these creatures that fight for you, and they have different attacks depending on the creature that you're using. So you can kind of map a creature to a button. One of them may be a combo-heavy slash, just slash, slash, slash. One of them may be an upward slash. One of them may be a fire-breathing slash. It's not really a slash, but it's a fire-breathing thing. They have different elements, so it has it has a little bit of a puzzle element to it. Because, and what I actually really like about this is there's enemies that are weak to certain things. And this plays a lot into the boss fights. The game doesn't tell you what's weak to what. But it does show you in these picture book pages. The picture book pages are written in a language you can't read. But it has these pictures that you can kind of guess. You can see a monster that, hey, I have that monster in my inventory. And it's doing something to this other monster that I haven't seen yet. Those are basically your tutorials for how to beat the boss. It's almost like a, it's like a pictogram telling you how to beat the boss, how to fight it. You need to decipher. Yeah, uh, and I I thought that was kind of cool. I was like, okay, yeah. I get that. I, that's that's kind of neat. This game's a bit of a weird jumble for me so far because there's some things that I really really like, some things that I don't like so much, and yeah. some things that just seem a little bit. Like a head scratcher. Yeah. I don't really understand. So, obviously, this game was trying to capitalize on the PlayStation 3 and particularly its use of the 6-axis controller. Um, the reason why is because when you fight a monster, uh, when you get it to where it can die, you can lock onto it using the R1 button and using the 6-axis controller, tilt it up like jerk it up in an upward motion, they pull the spirit out of the monster and it absorbs it into their body. So that way you can get new powers that way. You can level up the monsters that you're using currently. Um, but the problem is that you'll get to these kind of like what they call, I would say, a mini boss fight. Yeah. Where, Usually there's, what, two per level before the, the final boss? Yeah. So... You have to, it's not just a simple flicking upward. Um, it depends on the level. So far, I think it depends on the level. But the, the first level or area you go to, you have to time your flicks up with whenever the monster turns red. So it's green, it'll float in the air for a second, and then let me drop down, and it turns red for a split second. You gotta pull then, you gotta time it properly. That's yep. annoying as crap, <laughs> and I hate it. I, I The first time I did it, I immediately and strongly had two different reactions. I'm like, oh, cool, it uses the six-axis. This isn't so bad. And then on the other hand, I'm like, five minutes from now, I'm going to hate this. I, didn't, I don't mind any of the six-axis stuff in tiny, tiny doses. Yeah. Because, you know, it... It's something a little different, right? It it doesn't matter all that much to the game, I guess, but I am still pulling 
the souls out of these demons, folk, fairies. Um, so, uh, you know, I, it, it's a really weird feeling to be like, oh, cool, something different. But immediately, no, yep, that if I do this three more times, I'm going to be sick of it. Yeah, it's no longer different. It's just tedious. Yeah, it's just harder to do than pushing a button. Exactly. So, but you can kill enemies, just the regular enemies, by just hitting them a bunch of times after they turn red. Yeah, which I guess you don't want to do, or you're not encouraged to do that, because then you don't gain any of the XP, I don't think. The thing is, is like, how do you, like, I have yet to level up in this game. Like, I, sure, I get, like, new abilities for my monsters that I have, but do, does my characters actually level up? I didn't think the characters did. I thought just the personas did. The okay. fairies did. Right. Which does, which is weird. If that's the case, it doesn't make any sense to me because as you keep playing through this game, you keep getting more and stronger and different and better fairies. So why, like, why would I try and level up a weak one to make it somewhat more relevant when it's going to be replaced by 15 other ones of the same exactly the same type later like that it, it's a weird like wh- why would i invest in that it doesn't make any sense to me yeah cuz each world that you go to has completely different monsters and like when you go to the menus and select the monsters you want to use they're actually categorized by which world they came from which i actually absolutely and unconditionally love I love that I can be like, oh yeah, I want to use the one from that level. And you can immediately see where it is. The pictures are fairly clear. I love the way they're categorized. I love the way that they're color-coded. I actually didn't realize that at first. Yeah, so you got the different elements that are color-coded. So you got the, um, I think, blues for water. Yeah, I assume so. Um, Red, fire. uh, I guess white is the non-elemental. Is there a yellow? There's a yellow for slash. Yeah, I was going to say, I think yellow feels like a slash. Yeah, slash is a, is a quote-unquote element in this game. Yeah, I actually made an incorrect assumption early on, so I'm, I'm curious what I missed. Because there are there is a map that is useful, although I keep walking in the wrong direction. Yes. Uh but there's a there's a number of places where you walk into a new section of a map and you're actually blocked by crystals from going forward. Correct. The first time that happened to me, I'm like, ah, all right, I'm not high enough level to go here yet, so I will just come back when I am. Or like maybe I'll beat somebody and this will explode and I'll be able to walk through it. I didn't realize that at any time, if you have the right color enemy, you can break those crystals. Correct. So it's basically if you run into a green crystal, you need to use a ground element. Or if you run into a red crystal, you have to use a fire element to break the crystal. Uh, yeah, I, I was a little bit confused on that one too. And also, I like I, I look at a crystal, and I'm like, I don't know what I, I just end up using every element against it to see if it worked. Yeah, I can't figure out what element color is what. Yeah, I couldn't at first. I think I have that all down now. I, I, what is green? Is green ground or is that wind? Is there a wind element? There is, but I could swear mine was yellow. Like I've got a bird. I've got a couple of. I've got a like a bee, like an electric bee or electric wasp. Okay. That 
is a flying character, and then there's also a a bird that like flaps its wings to create a wind attack. Right. I don't. I don't think those are green. Although I I do like that, and I didn't realize this at first that in that menu that all the characters were color coded, so you can easily sift through them. Like it's it's not it's not necessarily trying them at random. It's trying different color combinations, but it's when I pick it, it's not random. I know what color it is when I pick it. Yeah. Even though some of them might look the same, like you might have in that second level, like three of the ones you get are just little gunners with hats. They all kind of look the same. So if you had to remember what color they are based on what the characters look like, it would be much harder. Yeah. The fact that they color code them and sort them that way for essentially for me, that makes it a lot easier. And Again, there's some things I like and some things I don't like, but I, I really like the flexibility with which you can assign four of these. You can pop into a menu, re- reset all four of them within two seconds, and then be back in the game. Yeah. I really, really like that. It reminds me a lot of Phantom Dust. Oh, yeah, Phantom Dust. It reminds me of that because like each, car- you know, each, each of those buttons can mean a different type of attack. Like you can have some short range slash attacks, you can have, you know, some distance attacks, some aerial attacks, you can mix and match to your heart's desire whether you want to be a fast paced light attack character or whether you want to do a couple of really heavy, expensive to cast fairies. That do like you know as long as it hits every once in a while you're good. Yeah, and I I love that flexibility, not only in the in the way that you can customize your four spots, but in the speed with which you can respec like immediately and try a whole different tactic and jump right back into that same failure. I I, I absolutely love that flexibility. I, I wish some other parts of the combat system were set up better to really exploit that. Like I wish it was a little bit more dynamic. Yeah, uh, this isn't a fast. A, it's not a fast-paced yeah. game like Devil May Cry or something like that. Yeah, it's a. It, it feels more like a kind of a slow, methodical kind of game. Um, yeah, at one point while I was playing, I actually was wishing it would go one way or the other. Yeah, either more like timing-based, or you know, <laughs> because the, the other game that it reminded me a little bit of was Enchanted Arms, just because of the you know a little bit of weird Japanese character. Uh, like like enemy art a little bit. You okay. know, this is certainly a lot more fairy driven, but just a little bit. You know, whimsical. Like pieces don't necessarily connect. Like a little bit, somewhat golem related. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it reminded me a little bit of Enchanted Arms, and I'm like, oh man, if this was grid based, I would love it because, you know, the, these all these different fairies would would clearly have different attack patterns on a grid, right? Like some of them would be a big swipe, some of them would be you know, a straight line forward, but like many spaces forward. Uh, I, I don't know that that would be any better or worse, but you know, this this d- clearly does sit in some kind of middle ground in between that and something like a like an actual action game. Yeah. So yeah, um, I think. I mean, uh, we can talk about the boss fights, but the boss fights all pretty much revolve around looking at those pages and doing in sequence what they want you to do. Uh, see, that's interesting. I never looked at those pages. You've never looked at them? Nope. 
I've picked them up a few times, but I've never actually looked at them. <laughs> so how did you, did you just figure it out? Yeah, uh, yeah, basically. I, I set four. I, I went in, like, it, it, the game gives you good feedback as to whether you're hitting or not, right? Like, if you aren't connecting, you just get a bit of a shield-type look, like yeah, you, you're bouncing shield. off the shield. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're actually hitting them, you see their, their spirit come up out of their body a little bit. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a nice – that's a thing I think does pair well with the combat because, again, it allows you to go in, test four of them, be like, oh, none of those worked. I'm going to respec and get four absolute new ones. I'll be back in like 12 seconds. And, and that way I was able to – you know, I, I always kind of had a, a bit of a setup in this game so far. I always used – there's – Maybe there's only one defensive fairy. Yeah, for the most part, that's all I ran into. Yeah, there's the I think it's called Killmolis or something. It's the one with the hand. It like walks on a single hand, hops around. Yeah, yeah, and creates a little shield around you. That I, I actually that one. You know, I know I said a, a, a little bit ago that I, I don't use the early ones, but that one I actually still use because it, again, because it's the only defensive one. But I, I love setting up. You know, my four spots as, all right, I've got my defensive one on square. I've got my heavy attack on circle. I've got my distance attack on X. And I've got, like, an aerial attack on triangle. And, you know, that that's how I would start. I'm like, all right, this is, a you know, it's my diverse spread. Let, let's see what happens. Go into a boss, test it out. doesn't work. All right, I'll, I'll spec with some different ones. And, uh, yeah, just kind of... Worked through the patterns that way. Once I figured out about the uh, about the pages, man, they make the boss fights kind of go by quick. Yeah, huh. wait till you get to that stupid worm. I can't wait. But uh, yeah, um, I guess we can get into the story a little bit here. Uh, it, it, one other thing I do want to mention uh, before we start just talking about story wise, uh, the way this came. The way this game tells its story, so there are cutscenes that have voice acting. They're few and far <laughs> between. Yeah. There's cutscenes where two people are standing next to each other and you see text bubbles pop up. And then there's cutscenes that play out like a comic book panel. I hate the comic book panel ones. Uh, I was going to say I like them in theory. I just wish I didn't have to use two different buttons to get through it. Yeah. So my thing is, is like, I know when it starts fading to black, it's going to pop up exit. And I'm like, cause see, I don't want to hit fast forward because it just goes through the dialogue too fast. Yep. So, I, so what I ended up doing was like rapid pressing it. I didn't hold triangle. Yeah. Because it would speed through it so fast. You can't read it. But if you just kind of like tap, release, tap, release, tap, release, it'll speed. It'll judder forward a little bit. Right. But, but then when there's text there, I can just lay off of the triangle read it, and then hit triangle to fast forward. So uh, I wish it was like any other game where you just hit X to like fill and then X to progress. Yeah. So, story. We start off with a young girl, well, young woman. I think she's like, what, 22, 23? Yeah, that sounds about right. She is on a boat wanting to go to this, I guess is an island. I'm not sure. Um, and uh, it's during a storm. The uh, captain of the boat is like, well, we got to turn back. The storm's going to knock us over. 
And she's like, all right, fine. So she jumps out of the water, into the water. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Uh, apparently she makes it. <laughs> Despite uh, many a stronger, like um, <laughs> most games that would kill you. Yeah. Or kill almost everybody on ship, and she just dives in. I mean, she was probably nope. still a good quarter of a mile away from the freaking island. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, she's there uh, because she received a letter um, saying that her mother, somebody has information about her mother. Well, I thought she said she thought it was from her mother. She, well, yeah, she thought it was, well, yeah, I'm skipping ahead. So she thought it was from her mom. Uh, who she hasn't seen in 17 years. And who she's convinced is dead, right? Yeah. So that, I mean, that's that's a pretty striking, to me, pretty striking, mysterious open. Sure. Hey, here's a letter from my mom, but actually she's not alive anymore. How is she sending me a letter? She's been dead for 17 years. So um, she arrives at this town, Doolin? Doolin. Doolin, yep. Doolin Village. Uh, to figure out who sent this letter. Um, this is where I was confused because I didn't realize this game had two protagonists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always thought you played as, as Ellen. Apparently not. So then it cuts to a guy uh, named Keats who works for a paranormal magazine. And he gets a phone call from a woman saying that she knows some things that are going down at this Doolin village. So he goes to investigate. And they kind of both meet at the same time. Uh, she, uh, Which is where she was told to come to, the, the cliffs of she. Yeah. So... They both kind of make it to the cliffs at the same time. There's a woman. <laughs> already sounds a bit ridiculous to me. Yeah. Uh, there's a woman standing at the edge of the cliffs. Or she's kneeling down at the edge of the cliffs. And uh, she falls off the cliffs down to the beach below. And and it's probably, what, like 100 feet up? Yeah, something like that. Uh, and for it, this, like this whole opening cutscene was confusing to me because I was just like, what? You know, cause she thought her mom was dead. The, the first woman she runs into, who is this woman kneeling at the, at this cliff, she thinks it's her mom and then she falls to her death and she's like, oh no, my mom died again. <laughs> yeah. The timing on that's ridiculous too, because it's not like the letter said, meet me here at 7 PM on April 12th. Yeah. It just says, come to the cliffs. Like, why would you think that means she's actually sitting on the cliff when you get there? I, I have no idea. Yeah. So, uh, and then, of course, Keats is there, and he's like, uh-oh, this, something's going on. So we go down after her. Um, that's when I realized, oh, we play as two different characters. Uh, and, because I played as Keats first. So I was like, okay, we'll see what this guy's about. Um. And uh, at that point, we'll see, they ask you to choose your character. And I was like, okay, well, I'll go with the paranormal investigator guy. And after this cutscene, it then cuts back to that character select screen saying, okay, do you <laughs> want to do Keats's chapter one or do you want to do Ellen's prologue? And I'm like, oh, God, this is like a 
like a, like a, the same story, but from different perspectives kind of thing. Yeah. Which again is a thing that sounds interesting to me. I like the idea of two strangers brought to this tiny Irish mysterious village, you know, knowing that there's going to be some connection with the dead. I'm like, all right, you know, I, I like the concept. I kind of like the structure of layering in more story and seeing, you know, what you assumed meant one thing. Now you actually see the reality behind it from the other character's perspective. I'm like that, that sounds really cool as a, as a way to lay out the game. Yeah. In theory, but then you start seeing there's a lot of things that are kind of overlapping here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I see why they have a fast forward button now because, oh, I've seen this cutscene already. Fast forward. You know. Yep. And not, not just the cutscenes, which the cutscenes are almost more unforgivable to me because it can't be as hard to make the cutscenes as it was the levels. So I, while the, you have to basically play through the same levels too, like you play through all of a level with one character, then replay it the entire level with the other character. And so, uh, yeah, I guess it would have been hard to make twice as many levels. So sure. If you're going to replay them, there are different enemies, and so it changes up a little bit. But there's no excuse in my mind, really, not to change up the dialogue and the cutscenes a little bit more. My thing is, is this the same boss fights? Yeah, although they played out differently. They do play out differently, but at the same time, I'm like, really? I mean, how do they explain that? Yeah, yeah. isn't this thing dead? <laughs> yeah, this thing, you know, why is Keats killing the first boss after it should already be dead? I, yeah. I, I understand that they have a, a throwaway line in there in the second level saying, oh, time and time and space mean differently in the nether world than in the real world. I'm like, yeah, it's a different but, instance of reality. Yeah. But I mean, once you defeat that folklore, isn't it dead? Isn't it gone? Yeah. And they don't even palette swap it or anything to say like oh yeah you know this is a slightly different reality therefore this one's blue instead of yellow or you're fighting you're fighting a different folklore so like in the first level you're fighting uh, as ellen you're fighting the father's folklore while as keats you're fighting the mother's folklore so maybe that's how they get away with it yeah maybe i mean and, and i also I, I really like the concept of these different realms Right, and they, they talk about how the fairy realm is only one removed from the you know actual like human realm. Right, but then you can go deeper and deeper into whatever you call this collection of realms. Right, and I, you know I, I like the way that even the fairies have their own issues with their realms, and they're they're concerned about other realms, and like I just it. it my first impression was, oh, this is really cool because there's a lot more here. Yeah. There's a lot a lot to this world, a lot to the way this universe is constructed, the way the realms interact with each other. It's it's a really interesting, you know, just just set of fantasy or you know, set of worlds. But then, you know, and then then they they even level that up a bit more by talking about how the fairy realm ends up being a distillation of different emotions, right? And there's different rules for, you know, when you can be in the fairy realm and, you know, who turns into folks and folklore, like all that. I'm like, yeah, this is fantastic. There's, there's rules to the world too. It's not 
quite as random and throwaway as it as it could have been. Yeah, it's not like oh, we just have monsters here. Watch out. Yeah, it's not just monsters. Yeah, they they actually like they're distilled from people who've died. But on the other hand, they don't delve into that nearly enough to really like open it up to be a world that you could think more about. And I don't know. It's they do everything right, but only to a superficial level in my mind when yeah. it comes to that uh, interactions. They basically just talk it to it as like a matter of fact and don't, you know, why are you questioning this? It's just fact. Yeah, it's like they had all the right pieces. They just didn't have a nice nuanced way of putting them together. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we need to get into the fact that we can go to the netherworld because we haven't even got there yet. <laughs> so uh, basically what ends up happening is is that um, when Ellen runs down past the cliffs to go find out what happened to what she thinks is her mother, uh, the person's dead laying there, and she passes out. Keats is like, uh-oh, and there's another woman there. We don't know who that woman is yet. Uh, Keats then takes Ellen and puts her in this little hut so she can, like, you know, rest. When she comes to, uh, Keats isn't there and she starts to wander off. It's nighttime now. Uh, she hears a voice in her head, I guess, telling her to go to the pub. And if we go to the pub. This evening. Yeah. Uh, you go to the pub. And uh, it's filled with these weird ghost-looking things. Uh, they all like weird, cheery. I, I, I'm trying to imagine like what can I compare these things to? Like almost like Ghostbusters meets Jim Henson. Yeah, the, yeah. There's it's a lot of inspiration. I, you know, I was thinking one or two of them look a little bit like where the wild things are. Yeah. Uh, a couple of them just look like, um, I was almost going to say Beetlejuice. Yeah. Outtakes. The, you know, there's just a lot of, like, uh, quite varied, quite, I, I don't want to just say non-atypical, but, you know, they, they are diverse, for sure. Right. And uh, apparently they're they're European in origin. Yeah. Uh, most of these are are folklore from like um, England, Ireland, Scotland, that kind of thing. I did because I did look it up. I looked up a boss fight, or not even boss fight. It was that the one that like that looks definitely looks like from the wild where the wild things are that has the spikes that come out. Yeah. Is oh that, yeah, that the, he's like the cover one. Yeah, and I I didn't know like I was like like how do you beat this thing? So I finally looked it up, and when I looked up the name. All it did was come up folklore about this creature. And I was like, no, <laughs> folklore the game. How do you beat this thing? Um, the, the Bargast. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, how do you win? So it's all based on real folklore. Um, But yeah, so when we go into this pub, we there's just a bunch of like weird ghost things walking around, talking to us, saying, oh, this is kind of normal. Um, Well, kind of normal it's normal because of this particular night uh nobody mentioned it was is sam hayne yep uh which is not the day of the dead it's the 
Doesn't Sam Haynes start on Halloween night but go through November 1st night? I think. But anyway. Yeah. I'll have to so ask a Wiccan, and I don't know any Wiccans. Two days. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, that night, basically the realm of the the netherworld can meld with the realm of the living world. Um, and she is beckoned by a person creature known as the Scarecrow. Uh, and the Scarecrow is basically leading her to a place. Uh, the Hinge, which is on the outskirts of town. Which, you know, pretty, pretty much all hinges are, are pretty good. Uh, and even when it comes to Samhain, uh, it says that some of the Neolithic passage tombs in Ireland are aligned to the sunrise around Samhain, which is cool because we went to some of those Neolithic tombs hmm. uh, about six months ago. Interesting. So, yeah. Um, the Scarecrow then leads her into this area that I'm confused about this, too. She goes into what looks like a temple almost. And there's a dead mm. body laying there. Yeah, which I assume was the last person to take up this cloak role. Yeah. Because, yeah, because of the cloak. And it's wearing a cloak. The cloak then kind of chooses her and wraps around her. And basically, you know, Henshin Agogo changes her, transforms her into like this, I don't know. Uh, it, Power Ranger, essentially. It's not a Power Ranger, but it's like, you know, it transforms her into a more powerful being. And the Scarecrow says that with this cloak, she's able to pass through to the Netherworld. And she's like, oh, well, if I can go to the Netherworld, I can maybe talk to my dead mother. So she goes through this portal that leads her to the first level of the netherworld, which is the fairy world. And this is where we first get our glimpse of combat. Um, there's some fairies that stand around, talk to you. Um, yeah, I, I talked to a lot of those in the first level. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that I don't actually need to talk to them. So yeah. I've, I still talk to them occasionally, but it's absolutely arbitrary. I'm just like, oh, hey, I haven't talked to one of these guys in a while. Yeah. And sometimes I'll, I'll read through. They do have some interesting lore, so I kind of feel like I want to talk to them more. Right. But on the other hand, when I'm in the combat section of each level, I kind of just want to get back to – well, I want to get to the end boss because despite the six-axis stuff, I do like a little bit more of the puzzle of the bosses – but then I'm also like, all right, well, now that I'm here, I just want to get back to the real world, uh, you know, and, and continue the story and the mysteries. So I, I tend not to spend more time talking to all these characters than I maybe have to should. Right. So um, Ellen travels through some of the fairy world, and she comes up to a part where there's a woman standing there, a human woman. And... She's like, oh, this must be my mom. And she's talking really weird. She says that she blames her for everything that happened 17 years ago. 
and she's going to exact her revenge. Which is a phrase you need to get used to in this game. Okay. What happened 17 years ago? Trust me, yeah, I know. I've already got that. Um, and she slaps her, and uh, Keith shows up, and he's like, uh-oh, something's going on. And uh, I, I guess it, the time was up. Sam Hain was over, and they get sucked back into the the living world. Uh, and that's the end of the prologue for Ellen. Uh, the prologue for uh, Keats is a, basically the same thing, except now we walk up to Ellen and find her. The difference is, is that Keats doesn't have a cloak. He just gets his powers because of the cloak. Yeah, and he he doesn't have he has a different handler also, so he's it's not the scarecrow. scarecrow. It's you know it's the guy with the mask. It's who, the invisible man. Yeah, he's either invisible or just a spirit, and there is no man. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so I don't I don't think they explain exactly how he's going back and forth into the very realm, do they? They mentioned that he is somehow connected to Ellen, but they have yep. not went any farther than that, saying, because she dons the cloak, you too have gained powers. And Keats' power turns him into what looks like freaking Asura from Asura's Wrath. He becomes like this just giant guy. <laughs> like this kind of like a pale blue color. And he emits like a bluish fire from him. Uh, and Keats, I guess, is is he the only character that can go like, you know, rage mode or whatever? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So, yeah, he has the basically go Spartan mode where you can press him both the uh, the sticks and he is impervious to damage and just attacks really fast. Um, I don't think Ellen has anything like that. She doesn't even have that bar, right? Yeah, I don't think so, but... It fills up. Maybe she gets it later. Could be. Or, you know, a different version of it. Right, but I do I do think you know like the the hints that they're connected. That's something this game stresses really hard. Yeah, is that there's mystery here, right? Like from the moment this game starts, it's here's a mystery, here's a question. Let's try to track down the answers, and th they push it hard. Like this game is structured heavily, in my mind, a lot like Persona. Another reason it reminds me of Persona. And that when I, you know, when I was playing Persona and absolutely loving three and four, especially, uh, it it was this weird combination of when I'm in the normal world, I can't wait to get back to the tower, and when I'm in the tower, I can't wait to get back to the normal world, and like both halves were like like improving the overall experience, right? Both of them were good, and both of them were like feeding off of each other. I get a little bit of that here where I'm like, all right, you know, I, I've been, I've been Xing and triangling through too many cutscenes. I just want to get back to some action. I want to, you know, I want to fight some new bosses. I want to see the next location. 
And then when I'm there, I'm like, all right, now that I'm getting close to the boss, I'm like, great, now I can go back and answer some mysteries in the village. Right. And I get I get a little bit of that. Like both halves are good enough, but make me want to get back to the other one to experience it. Right. And, and that part of it I do like, but they go it. You know, when it comes to story, it's real heavy on. At the very beginning and very end of every level, you're going to get all your dump info dumps, yeah. a bunch of mysteries, and then you're going to go do something else for 20 or 30 minutes during the level. And it better be okay because if you just want the mystery, it's it's literally just like a 30 minute pause before you get back to the village. Yeah. So it, it's a little a little bit you know maybe you'd say uneven, but you know it, or maybe it's dragging out the mystery. You know I, I don't. To me, that all depends on how well it plays out. Like if that works, because they, you know basically every level they're bringing up new mystery, they're adding to the mystery, so they're certainly keeping it alive and keeping it focused, so that it doesn't feel too random, and it feels connected enough to keep me interested. But you know, if there's no payoff, a lot of this build-up will be a letdown. And uh, you know how I feel about it really depends on how well they do it. To be honest. Yeah, I I guess I feel kind of the same way. It it is slightly. I I don't mind the mystery, but it's so little that they give you in between. Yeah, that I'm just like, yeah, this better have a pretty good payoff, otherwise, because I haven't. Yeah, got, exactly. This this is going to turn into Nino Cooney all over again. <laughs> where you get all of your information at the last of this game. So, I guess we'll see. I did see. stumble on something structurally that changes, which maybe I wish I hadn't seen, but I don't know if I I don't know if if I if I want to spoil it for you. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll save it. I'll save it. Anyway. So, needless to say, both characters um are connected in some way. They have the ability to cross over to the netherworld. Uh, the first time was because it was during Samhain. Now they have to, because they have this cloak, or she has this cloak and he has the power from the cloak, they have they can still cross over, but they have to find these mementos of the dead. So what they're wanting to do is figure out who brought us here to this this town. Uh, I got a phone call. You got a letter. We, I'm, we're both kind of thinking it's from the same person, and we're both thinking it was probably that woman that died off the cliff. Who was that woman? So that's where chapter one begins: is figuring out who this woman was and why she brought us here. Well, the woman uh, was. Regine? How do you pronounce her name? Regine? Yeah, that, that's what I've been saying. Okay. Uh, Regine, we come to find out that, like the people in the town are like, oh, it's horrible what happened to Regine. She, you know, she died, she fell off the cliff. And the people are thinking, well, I'm pretty sure she was probably murdered. Um, but Keats remembers there was another woman there when we went to find the body. Let's go talk to that woman. That woman was Suzette. Kind of found out. Who's what? Roughly Ellen's age? Yeah. Around the same age as Ellen. Which um, is 
interesting because I I think it's fairly early on that they talk about at least Ellen having a connection to the town, right? I think so. She feels like she's been here before. Yeah, a bit of mystery, but it seems like there's some connection here. Yeah. So it to me, there's not enough characters in this game so far for that not to be a interesting coincidence that they're about the same age. Yeah. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know if that comes to anything, but it seems too similar for that to be random. So uh, depending on who you play as, we both go talk to Suzette. Suzette is kind of found out that the woman that died falling off the cliff, Regine, that was her mother. Uh, she harbors a lot of bad feelings toward her mom because she said 17 years ago <laughs> she abandoned her. Um, and that's about all the information we get. We do get a memento from her that allows us to say, hey, we want to go talk to her. Um, well, Keats does. Ellen, on the other hand, gets a memento from her father, Suzette's father, which was God. What what was his name? It was a it was a funny name. Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Oh. Uh, and so, depending on who you play as, you go wait till the night at the nighttime because you can only travel to the netherworld at night and go to where these people significantly something major happened in their lives at a certain place. Uh, both of which on the first chapter was at the lighthouse. Um, so. I'll go with Ellen first. Ellen goes into the netherworld, which is a return to the fairy world, but now we're going deeper in. And the fairy world is basically like an enchanted forest yeah. setting. Yeah. Uh, with fairies and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, going through all of this eventually leads Ellen to basically the fairy... Uh, I wouldn't say queen, but like the, the leader of the fairies. Lord. Fairy Lord. Fairy Lord. And the Fairy Lord has basically said, look, the handler, your, the scarecrow works for me. And I want, I need you to come and take care of these folklore for me. And folklore are essentially, which you find out after beating it, but folklore are the bosses of this game. Um, but the folklore are actually the memories of the person who died that you're trying to contact. Yeah, I can't tell if it's the memories or their soul or some some type of distillation of these. Well, people. they they've said it twice already in the amount that I've played, where they say that. Folklore are basically the feelings and emotions of the people that have passed. Yeah. And uh, because they they say it like when you die, you there is no real afterworld for you. Your memories live on because you are your memories. You That's what your identity is. 
And so that's what these have become. And particularly the folklore turn into people, or the folklore are basically the memories of people who have had, I guess, bad bad things happen to them. And, so, and apparently that is what twisted them and turned them dark and malevolent. Yeah. So uh, traveling through... All right, I have to ask this. Is there a way to just look at the map fully or just the map? I haven't found it yet. Okay. If there is. I, what, what... Maybe if you... Well, there's at least a different view. If you hit select, mm-hmm. that brings up two things. One, it brings up the map, and it does give you some indication, I think, of where you've been already or not. Okay. The other key thing that it brings up is your objective. Like it, shows you, the, it shows you like where you need to go? No, not, not so much on the map side. Like It does have the map, I think, at all times, but... Like when you're in the village, like let's say you just wake up and you're in your house and you're like, shit, who do I have to talk to? I mean they are fairly explicit with who you need to talk to. Uh, but if you just pop up that screen, it'll say, I should go talk to Harriet or I should go talk to Suzette. Gotcha. So that, you know, that's it, another level of safety net so you don't wander around aimlessly. Not that it's a giant village. Doolin is a fairly small village. Yeah, but when you're in the other world, the netherworld – Sometimes when I'm fighting stuff, I get turned around yeah. and accidentally walk out the way I came. Yeah, the, the, the camera's not the best, and it does cause me sometimes to wonder if I'm even going in the right direction or into a new area or where I came from. It, it does have some little indicators, which are nice. Like it gives you the the triangle on the entrance that you came in, yeah. like an arrow. So at least I know not to go in that one if I'm trying to go deeper in. But My question is, what are the light blue circles that are at the <laughs> exits? I'm still trying to yep. figure that out. I was going to ask you that, actually. It's on some exits but not others. Yeah. It didn't seem clear to me that it was either always the right way to go or ever the wrong way to go. I, I didn't <laughs> didn't get a great sense of that. Or maybe it's towards the next boss. I, I, I don't, don't know. know. I, I still trying to figure like give me a key, guys. <laughs> give me a key that says this is what this means, this is what this means. But then again, if you look at the storybook pages, they're very obscure with their information. <laughs> it's just look at this picture. Do you recognize that monster? Maybe use it on the boss. So yeah, it's there's there's some there's some choices in this game that I'm not too happy with. Yeah. Um. But you know, I'm still figuring it out. I guess. Yeah, uh, and I I actually felt fairly like empowered when I figured out the colors and the quick swaps and the the way it'll tell you your goals. Like you know, all that stuff isn't terribly hidden. Some of it's explained, some of it's not. But I was like, all right, oh, there's t- some tools here. Well, maybe they'll give me more. Maybe I'll just never discover them throughout this game. Take a look at those story pages next time because yeah, they certainly those are interesting. Like when I when I looked at the story page, I'm like, I don't know what this means. Is it going to get translated for me later on? And then I realized, oh. You don't worry about the words you can't read. Worry about the pictures. And yeah, that's kind of cool. That was like that was like an aha moment for me. I was like, oh, okay, I get this now. 
So every time I get a page, I'm like, oh boy, I can't wait to look at it because I can see what, you know, it gives me some clues. The problem is, is in chapter two, playing as uh, as Keats, I have yet to get a story page, so I have no idea how to fight this boss whenever I get to it. Anyway, uh, back to chapter one with Ellen. Uh, so she's basically tasked by the fairy lord to please take care of these folklore. And so we move on to the boss fight. It is essentially a... A Venusaur from Pokemon. I mean, yep. it, it really is. It's it's a giant turtle with a plant on its back. Um, and this is where the the story pages kind of clicked for me because I was like, okay, I don't know how to fight this thing. I'm hitting it, and it doesn't look like it's doing anything. The story pages had the picture of the monster that does the slash, the downward slash, and it was cutting off one of the um. The uh, tentacles. I was like, oh, okay. So I did that, cut off one of the tentacles, cut off the other tentacle, and then there's another picture showing, here's what you need to do with when you get up on its head and start shooting its flower. I was like, okay. I get it now. I didn't have an issue with this boss fight. Um, and Wait, is that how you beat it with Ellen? Yeah. Oh, wow. I So what ended up happening was th- there was th- basically three phases with Ellen. Um, you, you, when it starts with its tentacles, it starts sucking air. You throw one of the guys with the spikes. It yeah. sucks the guy with the spike in, and it stuns the tentacle. The tentacle falls down. I then cut it with a slash. And then do the same thing to the other tentacle. After that, it puts its head down. You jump on top of its head. And you start hitting it with, I think, the water one? Maybe? I can't remember what I hit it with. But it was all in the picture book. Hmm. How'd you beat it? I I was just trying out different attacks. I'm like, hey, I got this bar guest. He's like a a mid-boss, so he's got to be extra good. And then he got sucked up into the tentacle. And I was like, oh my god, what happened? I lost him, you know, and it was just kind of random that uh, then he did his, his spike move and weakened the tentacle, and then I was able to cut it off. But, you know, I, I didn't – I actually spent a little bit of time trying to figure out the beginning of that because nothing was, was working at first. All right. That Well, that's, that's – like I, I – I, that boss fight took me five minutes tops because mm. I went by the story pages. That would be nice for next time. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely look at those, man. But, um, yeah. So after beating this boss, um, we get teleported to the pub. But it's like a a memory of the pub. We talk to Ronaldo's ghost. But it's not his ghost. It's his memories. And basically, he... He talks to us for a little bit, but it's not much. Yeah. I feel like I was tricked a little bit because I thought, I'm like, all right, now we're going to get some things answered. And he starts to tell you things, but then then you find out that it's not really him anyway. And turns out it's some weird fairy who's displaying his memories. Yeah. 
but at the end of that conversation, we get the whole flashes. Yeah, the kind of the it's like your triangle button stuck down, and it's fast forwarding through something that happened in the past. Yeah, and that's going to be the big reveal, I'm assuming, because we only get it for like probably three seconds, and it's obviously two people fighting. Yeah, which in itself might be okay, might be a letdown, but what the game does for now, I don't know if it's good or bad, but you know, you get this a number of times in there. It, it, it seems to build. Like, again, you keep hearing something happened 17 years ago. Some really bad thing happened. It changed this town. It messed everything up. Maybe it connected to both the characters. But it's not just sequential small mysteries. It seems like it's all adding up to what this town went through 17 years ago. Yeah. Which is, you know, in some ways cool. There aren't that many people in town. Everybody apparently played some kind of role in what happened. So if I, but I guess I, I didn't quite know that at this point. So I was just like, all right, well, they didn't give me very much. So what's the point? But, you know, the, the more I play, the more they're just filling in little details and trying to paint around the picture of what happened, I guess. Right. But the big piece of information that Ronaldo gives us is before he died by falling off of the cliff. <laughs> Dangerous cliff. Yeah. He wrote a note and put it in a bottle. So after talking to him, we get sent back to the living world. Alan's like, okay, well, let's go back down there and find that bottle. And that bottle's been sitting there for 17 years and hasn't been touched. Despite the body was there, so they clearly, like, cleaned up the body. and You would assume? It's not that big of a beach, so there's probably been many, many people there in 17 years. This game feels like a fever dream. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, it does. But, so, we get the bottle, and we take it to Suzette, and like, hey, we found this letter that your dad wrote for you. She can't read half of it. She's still got a lot of spite for her family. <laughs> um, but, um, she basically, she kind of goes a little bit deeper into it, saying, hey, 17 years ago, something bad happened here. And I'm pretty sure it had to do with my brother. Um, her older brother died, passed away. And we don't know the circumstances of it. Uh, so that's going to be next on the agenda. Uh, we do get a uh, basically a conversation in the past of... Ronaldo and um, got uh, Regine talking to a guy named Ryan, and he's talking about their son. What was the son's name? He had another weird name. Herve. Herve. Talking about Herve and saying it can't be. No, I can't believe this. And that's about all we get. And that's where Ellen ends. 
we cut back to the, you know, character select screen. I decided to go, well, let's, all right, let's do chapter one with Keats. Yeah, that's the same way I'm playing it, alternating characters on each chapter. Well, see, I, I, I so I did, I did, uh, Ellen chapter one, Keats chapter one, and now I'm doing Keats chapter two, and then going to do Ellen chapter two. Uh, snaking your way through it. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, yeah, chapter one, um, with, uh, Keats almost plays out the same. Uh, yeah. Everything kind of has the, the same structure to it. Talk to some people, get a memento, go to the netherworld, beat the boss, get some more information. And I mean, I get the feeling that's what this whole game's going to be like. But, yeah, I think so. Yeah. But one thing I, I don't know if this is meant to be important or not, but nobody seems to believe that you can talk to the dead or get to the never netherworld. Like Suzette doesn't believe that you even talk to her father. You have to convince her by showing her that note. Well, yeah. And that you know that that happens one or two other times. So. It's strange to me that whatever whatever the mystery is here, whatever happened 17 years ago, given how, like, how central – I mean you spend half your time like in, in the pub. There's fairies everywhere. But it doesn't seem like everyone in the village either knows about fairies or can see fairies or unless they're hiding it. it it's not totally clear to me how much is being hidden. Right. Or how much, you know, is this some kind of bloodline thing? So you and Keats, or Ellen and Keats, I, I keep thinking of Ellen as the main character still. Um, but the, the two of us can make it into the netherworld, but nobody else can? That would be odd, given that these few people have been here for so long. Yeah. But maybe. I You know, I guess I'm mildly curious why someone like Suzette isn't aware of the fairies or the ability to commune with the dead. Yeah. But, uh, let's see here. Keats gets the memento from the mother regime. What was that memento again? I can't remember. Uh, the photo family photo. Yeah, that's what it was. The family photo. He gets it from Suzette, and um, we go to, you know, basically go back to the netherworld using it so we can commune with her, and we go through the exact same areas with the exact same, well, with a few enemies that are different, but uh, the difference here is that Keats, his handler, the Invisible Man, is actually commissioned by a different person we don't meet this person right away we meet her in this chapter two i think yep um which is another level i actually really really liked you know there's the there's the levels this is the point when you start to realize oh there's different factions also yeah but um so go through the fairy world uh i went to go see the fairy lord, and they're like, no, no, you're not allowed to go up here and talk to them. And I was like, okay. So I turn around. 
but yeah, uh, had to fight the same boss. Um, th- but it was a slightly different this time around. Um, I was able to just kind of punch the, <laughs> the monster <laughs> in the face <laughs> until it fell down. And then I yeah. burned it with, uh, his fire ability. Yeah. This one was a lot faster. This for me. one was a lot easier. Yeah. Um, but the big change is after you beat the boss, uh, you then meet, uh, regime or at least the memories of regime. And she kind of goes a little bit deeper into something happened 17 years ago. Uh, their son died that day along with the father and uh, they blame somebody for it but they don't like that conversation lasts probably about less than 30 seconds yep and then she's like oh this is all the time I have and then it turns into a weird monster thing that looks like it's going to explode never does but it's always on the verge yeah and um and we and we talked to the to the mounted deer on the wall. <laughs> there's a there's Yeah, a, you know, kinda of emphasizing your, your fever dream. I'm like, what the fuck's happening? Yeah. Uh the the deer that's mounted on the wall at the pub starts talking to people and that's when you start talking to the to the the memories. Or like I think if you do one more, I don't know if you saw this part, he gets like jealous. The deer gets jealous. Did you get that? Like, it it, it was essentially just uh, when Ellen walks in and she either asks about Keats or or, or someone else. And he's like, "Who's that? Your boyfriend?" It's just like, "No, it's not my boyfriend." He's like, "Good, because I would have been very unhappy." And I'm like, "What? <laughs> Why is this mounted deerhead jealous? So weird." Yeah, but um, so um. After uh, after that, uh, Keats then um, realizes that you know we have to find out what happened to Herve um, because it seems like whatever happened to him seventeen years ago forced well the father to kill himself and uh, the mother to leave town. So, uh, let's see here. I did chapter two with Keats, uh, and they, uh, the next thing we need to talk to is because we've getting these flashbacks of a guy named Ryan telling them something bad has happened at a church. Uh, so we got to find Ryan. Kind of find out Ryan is dead. Guess when he died. Thirteen years ago. No, <laughs> you're close. Try seventeen. Oh, crazy. yeah. So, uh, but um, we need to find a memento from Ryan. Um, so we ask around town. There was a, he apparently took care of a woman in a wheelchair. She says, "I'm sorry, but I don't have anything." Uh, this girl came by earlier and I gave her something. Oh, <laughs> good. It's Ellen. But uh, the bartender may know somebody. So 
Go talk to the bartender. Bartender says, sorry, I don't have anything. We were war buddies back in the day. But um, where he lived, there may be something there. So he uh, he was kind of the caretaker of the lighthouse. Yeah. Uh, so we go to the house where next to the lighthouse. We find a ripped picture. Um, and as we're leaving, here comes Ellen in. And Ellen's like, hey, I got this uh, piece of a picture. And he's like, well, I got this other piece. They put it together. And it's a picture of a young child in a hospital bed with a doctor looking over him. And we come to find out that child is actually Herv. And like, oh, I don't know what this means. But, uh, so here we actually get a choice. Since I was playing as Keats first, I can choose to let Ellen have the picture or keep the picture. I let Ellen have the picture. Oh, really? Yeah. What did you do? I said I need the picture. It's my memento. Heads so, off. So as Keats, you you said that? Yeah. Okay. Um, so... Uh, Keats, but I, but I did Keats second, so I had already been through the level with her. So by the time I got to this point, I'm like, well, she doesn't need it anymore. She's already gone through the level. T- right. Too. So, uh, what, what, well, it really doesn't matter because Keats gives the letter to her, and he kind of bums around town for a little while, and then says, "I wonder if Ellen's gonna go do what I think she's gonna do." So he goes to the hinge, and there she is, and she says, okay, well, we'll go together. And so <laughs> Keats is like, all right. So they get teleported to the netherworld together. Did that happen in your game? Yep. Okay. Which which leads to your, your throwaway line, you said. Yeah, the throwaway line of, oh, where's Ellen? Oh, Ellen could be in front of you. She could be behind you. Uh, because time and space doesn't really exist in the netherworld. And I'm like, oh, so that's how they explain this. It's an easy hand wave. Yeah. So this is a new world. This is Warcadia. Which is a little surprising to me because I thought that this game just took place in the fairy world, the fairy forest. Right. I didn't think there would be so many different types of levels. Because this one is, you know, it's, I don't know, some weird, like, burned-down version of World War II, I guess. Looks like it. And then level three is quite different from that, also. Okay. I figured we would eventually get to, like, a like a hell world. <laughs> I, I, imagine, yeah. I imagine we would eventually go to basically just hell. Um, but I, I don't know yet, so. Yeah, um, when you start to talk about fairies and demons, you know, it's... Kind of where they are. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, this, this war torn world that looks like, yeah, it looks like a, it looks like a, a, a town or a city that has been under siege. It's burning. The buildings are all crumbling and stuff like that. But, but still with like fantastical elements to it. It doesn't look like our world. It looks like a, like a like a memory or a vision of World War Two that's been verified. Yeah, hyper stylized. 
and all the enemies here are like war characters. So they're like these little imps with like guns and like bayonets and stuff. And yeah, and tanks and some of the bigger guys are like dudes with like grenade launchers. And yep. there's a tank you have to fight. I thought it was crazy. There, there's the one that's like a bomber. Uh huh. And then when it comes at you, it's like screaming. <laughs> and I was like, Jesus, this is actually this, this above all other ones so far has been you know somewhat terrifying. Yeah. Because it's got these like big red eyes. You know, it, its mouth is open and it's screaming while it's dropping bombs on its backside. <laughs> uh, that it was was that Ellen's version because Keats. I haven't ran into that. Uh, yeah, maybe it was Ellen's. Uh, Keats, I fought a tank. Yep. Um, but they changed the six axis here. Now, instead of timing your jerks up, you now have to tilt it back and forth to basically smash the spirit on the ground. And I was like, I can handle this. Yeah, this one is actually less annoying than the first one, I yeah. thought. Yeah, the first one was way more difficult. Um, this it, one actually feels like it, you can get into a good rhythm. Like if you if you if you if you're lefting and writing at the right time and frequency, you can actually bash them pretty quickly. And even though the bar I think seems a lot bigger, it is. It you know you can fill it a lot faster. Yeah, absolutely. And it's less jerky, right? Because you can just get into it. You know, it's a little bit more rhythmic and a little bit less. You know, when it tells me to jerk up, I'm like, well, I don't know how sensitive the six axis is. I'm jerking really hard. I do the same, but um, probably far harder than I need to. Yeah, I mean, really, all you do is just flick the wrist, kind of thing. Yeah, but um, this is where Keats actually meets his, I guess. Uh, I don't know what you call it. The the person, his liaison, uh, the person who basically wanted him to come and fight the folklore. Yeah, for some reason I was thinking of them as a sponsor almost. Kind like of. Not like, because you, you've got your handlers, basically your, your chaperone gives you some tips and tricks. This is like you, the mastermind pulling the strings to get you here. Yeah. You're you're their champion kind of thing, yeah. Um, and this is another group of fairies who don't want to go with the fairy lord. Uh, they think that the way the fairy realm is ran is wrong, and they want to change it. I didn't really delve deep into it. <laughs> I, I didn't yet. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it, it also seems so far to me to be like exactly like it almost encapsulates this game for me because it's a, it's really cool. Like it added a whole new level to the whole, uh, the whole netherworld. You know, I, I like the idea that there's levels. I like that there's factions. I like that they're, you know, I, I guess politics is what you would call it, right? Like they're vying. You know, they have different views. They, they're both pursuing their different views, but then that's all more a concept than it is a game reality. Like, as far as I've played into this, you know, there's maybe one more decision that matters that has to do with this. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm 
five or six hours into the game. Yeah. And it just doesn't seem like it matters much. It's really cool that it's there. And I would love to like, I would love to read the novel of this game where they could perfectly lay out the mystery, delve, like dole out the details at the right rate, you know, dive into the, the politics of these worlds. You know, it, in my mind, it was almost a little bit like the never ending story where you've got like the nothing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that being kind of a fairy realm where bad things are happening and, you know, th- there are a little bit of factions. And I'm like, yeah, if I could have this story of this game done up in a really good novel, it would be fan-fucking-tastic. As it is, I'm not sure they're ever going to dive into the things I want them to dive into to the depth I want them to dive into them. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to get that. Yeah. I, see, But it's also weird because I absolutely do not expect that. So I don't. I won't really be let down if they don't go into it. It, it popped up in my mind as an immediate positive. I'm like, oh, it's cool. this this world's a little bit more complex than I gave it credit for initially. But that that's it. Like, I don't expect anything else. Yeah. Maybe there'll be some cool backstabbing. Maybe you know. Maybe the maybe the end of this game pits the two of us against each other somehow. That would be kind of cool, I guess. But you know, I. I, I I don't really know what they're going to do, and so maybe there's a little bit of mystery there or meta mystery, but I, I don't know. I, I really don't expect much out of that level of detail of this game. That's what I would say is that I don't think they're going to go any farther into it. I hate to but say But it's such that. a cool premise. I mean, it is a cool premise, but I just I feel like the developers put a lot more emphasis on you know the combat and using the six axis controller and maybe this mystery over yep. what's happening in the fairy world I could be wrong though but no I, I think I, 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 if I were a betting man I'd put money on that <laughs> yeah but uh, so I'm at the door of the of Keats chapter two saying the boss is right past this door. I saved. I was gonna play some today, but unfortunately that didn't pan out. And that's where I had to stop. But considering that we're almost an hour and twenty minutes into this podcast, I guess we played a good amount. Yeah, I also to me it's whether it's a good game or not, I guess, you know, we'll find out over the next session or two, but it is an interesting game. Yeah. I, w- I would say I, I'm, I have at least been intrigued. Have I been fully invested? I don't know. Yeah. It, it's almost like a bad movie intrigued, though, because, like, I, I almost like the things that don't make sense as much as the things that do. I'm like, Really? Am I going to play the same level back to back every single level? Like that is weird. That seems it seems like a just a way to extend the game a bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it just isn't that I mean I guess it was early, maybe maybe they ran into issues. It was early days with the PS3, which was kind of notoriously difficult to program for. And to be honest, they 
they got a good amount out of the PS3 for it being like a launch-ish game. Because the game looks pretty good, although more just because of its whimsical, artistic, fairy nature rather than like, I don't know that it's technically impressive. Yeah. But I do like the way the game looks. Yeah, I think the art style is really I like cool. the, yeah, I like the art style. I like the juxtaposition between the kind of the dark, misty, quiet Doolin village and then these fantastical worlds that you explore. Yeah. Which, you know, all, all, does give it a, a dreamlike state. I, I think that was a good, you know, good description. I'm hoping we get to like a creepy world. Like a legit, like, nightmare world. Which I guess yeah. the war torn thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, hell. I, I guess the war torn could be nightmarish for some people. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I stopped, and I guess that's where we'll stop. Uh, because I'm still invested in this enough to know, want to know what happens. But, uh, we do have an email. It comes in from Dustin. He's playing along with us. Oh, nice. And, uh, the title of this email is Folklore Yawn. <laughs> uh, it says, uh, what's up, my dudes? So I don't really have a history with this game. I just knew, oh, we didn't even talk about our history. Um, we'll talk about it after this email. Uh, so I don't really have any history with this game. Just knew it's been on your list forever, and I've seen a couple of people talk about it as an early PS3 gem. I ended up picking it up and been waiting for you cool cats and kittens to play it. Oh, boy. <laughs> topical. Very topical. It's going to date the show. <laughs> oh, man. We are only seven games away from 100. This is true. Uh, first thing I have to mention is I don't care or i don't know uh if it's because i've been playing this couple of hours before bed after long work days or if the music and game or gameplay or combination of the three but the game makes me fall to sleep if i've been and i've been close multiple times the music some of the music's okay some yeah. of the music loops way too much the combat music in the fairy world, it was the exact same, probably 15 seconds of music looped over and over yeah. again. And I was yeah. like, I am so sick of hearing this. Um, it's a pretty linear game and switching between two characters covers a lot of game twice. And it drives me crazy that each realm you fight the same boss with each character. It just has different weaknesses since they have different fairies. Even in a chapter that has a fork in the road, you would think they would uh, finally deviate in each fight a unique boss. But that's not the case to my disappointment. Uh, fighting is pretty easy and straightforward. And most fun I've had with this game is actually trying to figure out the weaknesses of mid-bosses. And looking yep. at, at the picture book to figure out the steps you need to take to beat the boss. Uh, the story hasn't revealed anything interesting yet. I'm at the start of chapter four with both characters. It's still building on a mystery of the island and what Ellen has to do with it. Maybe it will have a good twist, but so far it's fine. The cutscenes drive me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Not the voice acted ones, but the dialogue only ones. I wait for them just to play out and forget to hit exit because I'm falling asleep and I'm not really paying attention. <laughs> I wish it was either voice acted and plays all the way through yep. 
or just be dialogue boxes. You can tap X to get the full dialogue, then tap X to proceed to the next conversation, which is what we both just said. It's yeah, yeah man, those, those comic book scenes. I mean, sure. They're stylized kind of cool, but man, they are annoying. Yeah. It, it's, it's a weird unevenness. Like they, they are cool. Just if they just kept that part a little simpler, it would have been fine. If they had added voice acting to it, it would have been even better. But there's there's weirdly only like minutes of voice acting in any of the cutscenes. Yeah. Let's see here. I'm not hating this game, but I'm not impressed, especially with the force motion control that I wish I could turn off. I feel like I'm playing one of those handheld tiger electronic fishing games. I'm trying to catch a <laughs> whopper. Uh, they end up switching up the catching mechanisms to teeter-tottering and balancing, and I really hope they don't add more since it's really annoying. Oh, good. Balancing issues. <laughs> it's going to be freaking until dawn's ending all over again for me. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm glad this is a short game, else, uh, else I don't know if I could finish it. Uh, we'll see how the story wraps up, but this might be going in my trade-in pile since I'm finding it pretty mediocre. Do you guys have any theories how the island is linked to Ellen? Are all the villagers actually fairies? Why wouldn't they call the police when multiple people in their village of ten died? <laughs> yeah, and at least four people died on, like, the same night. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's weird. Says here. In other notes, I haven't even used Keat's special ability that makes him invincible since there's no need to. I've used it once. Uh, there's a part in one of Ellen's chapter, maybe three, that says she says something about going to the place with the deer head. I had to look this up since you would assume it's the pub, but it's not. It's the freaking path to the lighthouse. Yep, I, I did go to the pub at that point. Walked in, I'm like, well, I've, I've, I know for a fact I've talked to that stupid deer <laughs> in the pub. Like, how is this? How is this not where I need to be? Yeah. Let's see here. It says, uh, I've been playing Ellen, then Keats, then Ellen, etc. Uh, there's a couple of choices that came up, and one with the photograph as Ellen. I chose to keep it, and the sequence with Keats, it automatically gives the photo to her. I won't talk about the second choice. I don't think you, uh, you're that far. But I wonder if this will have any effect on the story or ending. I doubt it, but it's a possible guess. The elf fairies. <laughs> the elf fairies are ugly. This is nothing like Pokemon. Hopefully, I can stay awake <laughs> to finish the second half. <laughs> well, thank you for that email, Dustin. Um, yeah. Yes, it. I, I agree. It's nothing like Pokemon. Um, I get it. You're, you're catching monsters and using them to fight, but it's not a turn-based RPG. It's, yeah, it's, it is persona essentially. Yeah. Yeah. But that was the first thing that came to my mind, both because of the fairies, but because of that back and forth between it's a fighting section or it's a normal life section. Exactly. But uh, yeah, that's that's it for us. Um, do you have any Do you have any thoughts on how they connect to the island? If they do, I I, th I I'm pretty sure Ellen is is related to Suzette. Yep, I I, I assume so. she is. I don't know. As far as Keats goes, I don't know. 
but uh, we'll I guess we'll find out. We're gonna keep playing. Um, I, and as far as my history goes, I always knew this game existed, but it came out before I had a PlayStation Three, and I never picked it up, and it kind of just fell off the map for me. Yeah, for for me, it's always been bouncing around. I, I wanted to play it early days. Um, you know, I I liked the way it looked. I, I liked the sound of the way it was going to play out. Um, just never really. I didn't even buy it for a long time. I did talk. I've got I've got a friend back in New York who actually really liked it and was playing through it. So we talked about it a little bit. Uh, which only, you know, I think she liked it. So, you know, I, it only convinced me more that I would play it at some point. But I think it took a while before I actually picked it up. And then I just never got around to actually starting it. Yeah. Always wanted, always wanted to, certainly. Yeah. I always heard it was interesting. And, you know, finding out it was made by the same people that made Majin, I was like, okay, I'm down for this. So, and it's, it's, it's okay so far. I'm, yeah, not, I mean, I'm not hating it. Like, yeah, you said okay, Dustin said mediocre. It, it's both of those things, but I think only by average for me. I think there's there's some things that I really like and some things I really don't like. Yeah. So it's not a boring game for me to play through, but it is, you know, I guess if I had to use one word, I would just say uneven. Yeah. Like, I really like the way that they've set up this universe, and I really like the way they've set up the combat. I just... All the rest of the pieces aren't there to support the, the core concepts that I like to really emphasize them and, and build on what they could be. Exactly. It's it's like they've got they've got the a structure of ideas, but they don't fill out the gaps. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's going to be it for us. Um, I do appreciate everybody listening. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I am at Drew Leachman. Matt is at REMGS, and the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Please send us an email. Dustin, I know you're going to send another one. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, Drew at ZTGD.com, and uh, we'll read it on the show. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I will finish this game this week. I will try, but I know I've been slacking. And I need to pick up the pace a little bit here. Uh, it's just work has been insane. I, I work six days a week, and it looks like it's going to turn out to be seven days a week starting mm. next week. So, yeah, I guess we'll figure it out. But until next time, I'm Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're out of here. You guys have a great week, and we'll be back next week with the continuation of Folklore. Thank you.